This is 128 Bits, a podcast about the most influential period of video games, what is known as the sixth generation, the Dreamcast, PS2, GameCube, and Xbox era. And on every episode, we will discuss one standout title from the generation and talk about its greatness, including its critical reception at the time, our favorite and least favorite things, its legacy, and what it would look like today. I'm your host, Rodrigo Nunez, and today I'm joined by Adrian and Joseph on what is the last episode of season two. And we're going to talk about arguably the biggest surprise hit of the generation. And that is, of course, Guitar Hero. Uh, so this is a long time coming, guys. How are you, uh, Adrian? Doing all right. Doing all right. Um, going to hit the whammy bar on this one and get this uh, this cast done. Yeah, activate star power finally. Joe, how are you? <laughs> yeah. Doing good. Yeah. Um, yeah, a little bit of behind the scenes. This episode is has uh, been our... I don't know, biggest stumbling block. It's taken forever to record, but it's it's, it's finally happening. So that's good. Our Odyssey. There's been yeah. as many false starts as there have been iterations of this game. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> Unfortunately, we have not been bought out by Activision at the same time, but uh, we're still holding out. Bobby Kotick, I, my DMs are open. <laughs> Sweet. Let's get into the game. So background-wise, Guitar Hero is a music rhythm video game released on November 8, 2005 as a PS2 exclusive, developed by Harmonix and published by Red Octane. The game notoriously came bundled with a special guitar-shaped controller that resembled a Gibson SG, except smaller and with five big, colorful, Fisher-Price-like plastic buttons on the top of the neck. The game and guitar bundle cost $69.99, which was $20 more than a new game at the time, but while nice. the guitar wasn't required to play, it's what actually made the game, but we'll get into that later. I want to talk a little bit about the publisher and developer pairing because it's a cool story. So Harmonix, the development studio, was founded in 1995 by two guys who met while studying and working in the MIT Media Lab. Aaron Igozi, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that name, was an electrical slash computer engineer with a music hobby, and Alex Rigopoulos was a music composition major with a programming hobby. So it's kind of like one of them was studying computer engineering and liked music. One of them was studying music and liked computer engineering. Uh, a real Wozniak jobs. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, together, they built a computer music generation system and worked on how they could control this system with a joystick. Um, the success of this student project led to them forming their own company upon graduation where they could further explore this system. Um, so like, yeah, they did this student project where they were controlling with a joystick and then they found that there's no games like this. So when they graduated, they decided to start up their own company and they made essentially no money for their first five years making a PC game where the player would perform guitar solos with a joystick. Like think of... Uh, like the flight simulator type joysticks, <laughs> but you're doing guitar solos. And then a game that would trigger music performances based on body gestures, which was used by Disney Parks. Um, but none of these really made a lot of money. Their first real big project was Frequency. I which, love that game. Yeah, it was like close to a launch title, right? Um, somehow Harmonix secured $2 million from Sony Computer Entertainment to develop a music game for the PS2. And I tried to find how they did this, like who did they come in contact with or whatever, because they hadn't done anything prior to this, but I couldn't find anything. But yeah, with, with those $2,000, they released Frequency in the year 2001. And Frequency is essentially a proto-guitar hero. 
the song would play and there would be this Tron-like tunnel that would be where the player was, quote, traveling through the song and circles or lines would scroll down to the bottom of the screen where players would create music by hitting buttons in time as the circles or lines would meet the bottom of the screen. Um, and the big difference was that players were able to switch from one instrument to another by switching from one lane to the other. And the goal was to build out the whole song. Um, if you find that explanation hard, imagine how hard it was to explain it in 2001 <laughs> before we had a Guitar Hero. And that may be a hint as to why Frequency didn't sell very well, despite it being a legitimately fun game. Another reason could be the fact that it had no mainstream music. Instead, the game featured a bunch of in-house produced music and some other electronic music from artists like BT, Jungle Brothers, and Paul Oakenfold, which were pretty big in the electronic music scene, but not mainstream names by any means. Those were the names I was going to counter with. Like, wait, there was some mainstream names. Oh, wait, no, I guess they are. those are it. Yeah, I remember learning about Paul Oakenfold from Joseph back in like 2001, <laughs> like a flyer or something. But um, yeah, there was no mainstream names. Um, Frequency was well-reviewed, though, and Sony could see there was something there, so they funded a sequel, and this would be called Amplitude. Amplitude was released two years later, which and it had a little bit more mainstream of a soundtrack featuring artists like P.O.D. and Weezer and even Blink-182. And they featured the band logos on the cover to try and move more units, and <laughs> it actually worked. It sold more, but not enough, so there was no third <laughs> title in the series. But Amplitude, for example, got rid of the crazy tunnels and gave a flat landscape for the music track to scroll down through. So it was less trippy, but way more accessible and more kind of like what you see in Guitar Hero. Mm -hmm. After this, after these two titles with Sony, Harmonix went on to produce Karaoke Revolution titles for Konami. And I actually owned Karaoke Revolution on the GameCube. Um, and the big thing here is like they went from having these trippy screensaver-like backgrounds to Karaoke Revolution having like a rendered singer on the screen like with an in-game engine and like a fake stage and stuff like that which again would kind of also play into guitar hero um but all of this led to 2004 when they were approached by a company by the name of red octane if you had never heard of red octane before you were in the majority they weren't a big name by any means red octane was a peripheral manufacturing company their most popular product was their ddr dance mat uh, but after realizing that their products were tied to other games, they decided to start publishing their own video games to drive their peripheral sales. And the first one was a DDR clone developed by Austin, Texas-based Roxor Games titled In The Groove. I don't know if you guys remember this one. So as opposed to DDR, In The Groove had diagonals. So it was pretty much exactly the same game, except whereas DDR had left, right, up, down. Uh, in the groove had like diagonal up left, diagonal up right. And there was like the four arrows. Uh, but other than that, it was pretty much the exact same game. Um, the real light bulb moment, though, came when Red Octane thought of releasing a home version of Konami's Guitar Freaks, which for years had been popular in Japan and featured a guitar controller. Their original idea was to create controllers to facilitate them porting and releasing this game in North America, that is to say Guitar Freaks. However, that idea never came to fruition, but instead Red Octane approached Harmonix, who had made similar music rhythm games in the past, about making a, a guitar-based game for their controller. Harmonix accepted and was provided with a budget of $1 million, and the team set off to create this game. 
So pairing Harmonic's music video game engine with a guitar controller created this magical alchemy that just worked. And like specifically having a special custom controller unlocked the ability for the player to feel like they're actually playing music as opposed to just matching patterns or going through trippy background visuals or whatever. It wasn't just that though. The guitar also introduced the whammy bar to change the pitch of the notes and tilting the guitar to unlock star power, which would be a combo extender and just all around gave this performance feel to harmonics games that just weren't there before. When I'm surprised you, it's half the budget. Yeah, it's such a tiny budget. When I heard about it, I was just like, one half million dollars to create this I thing? Mean, like, oh, yeah. Har yeah like, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, frequency was two million from Sony. Yeah. And this is one million from guys that made DDR clones. Right? <laughs> it's just super weird. Um, one unique aspect and maybe a big sign of just how small the budget of the game was is that all of the featured songs in the game are covers of the originals. This is my favorite part, yeah. <laughs> so there's 47 playable songs, 30 of them are the main set list, and these 30 are divided into six difficulty categories, from opening licks, which are the easiest, to face melters, which are the hardest. My favorite category was probably the fourth one, which featured some 41's Fat Lip and Audio Slave's Cochise. Uh, but all of them, when they would start, it would say, like, as made famous by mm. Sum 41. And you had somebody that was doing a really good Sum 41 impression. <laughs> Which, I mean, to be fair, they were they were pretty good. I never felt like, uh, or maybe it's just because I was focusing too much on playing, that I never felt like, oh, this doesn't sound like the real song or something like that. Um, but, yeah, all of them were covers. The track list is Purely rock, but it goes from old school punk like the Ramones, I Want to Be Sedated, to heavier stuff like Bark at the Moon by Ozzy Osbourne, but it was just straight up guitar-based rock. Um, one final thing, which is a lessons learned by harmonics, is that they dumped the visual style of frequency and amplitude and instead went with a sort of cartoony onstage performance visual style that they implemented for Karaoke Revolution. So all in all, I think it can be safe to say that Guitar Hero is the culmination of all the years of work that Harmonix did. They took all of the lessons learned from Frequency and Amplitude and Karaoke Revolution, put it in one game, and what really unlocked it and allowed it to become a phenomenon was the special controller that Red Octane provided. And when all of this came together, something unlike anything we'd ever seen before happened, and this came, and this game became like mega mainstream, beyond any other game that had come before. I mean, there were Guitar Hero nights at, in bars. There was a Guitar Hero contest. It was acceptable to bust out Guitar Hero at get-togethers, for example, which never really happened with any other video game. And like, at least in my experience, I knew that every single church youth group in the world had a Guitar Hero out there. Uh, there, were, there were articles about how it's good for children's dexterity and brain developments. Bands wanted to be in Guitar Hero as it would improve their popularity. There would be South Park episodes about Guitar Hero. You just couldn't <laughs> escape Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero you know became... Who has a really good whammy bar, kids? <laughs> Jesus. Let's go ahead. No, it was, it was legit. Every, every church that I ever attended in this like three-year window had a PS2 set up with Guitar Hero. And it was funny because it was like... You couldn't play, quote, secular music, but you could play Guitar Hero, which was very, very strange. But uh, those were the times. Uh, yeah, Guitar Hero became the, quote, playing Nintendo, end quote, to refer to video games for a few years there because it really, really was massive. Um, I really don't think we've ever seen anything like it until maybe Fortnite. 
But even then, Fortnite never really crossed into the mainstream at this level. And I think overall, that's the the big staying power of Guitar Hero, just how massive it was in crossing over to people that never played any other video game before or maybe even since. Yeah, the, how big it was is wild. Like the bars thing is just, there was karaoke in bars for this thing. <laughs> Yeah, I remember Guitar Hero Contest and being like, oh man, that is so lame. <laughs> but I think I could win one. <laughs> Maybe how, how much is the prize? How much is the prize? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look, I, I'm pretty good at Bark at the Moon, man. I, I, I could do it. I got the pull-offs down or whatever. It's funny that you mentioned the South Park one too, because uh, I had my brother-in-law bring me the old Guitar Hero controller I gave him like forever ago. Mm. Because uh, nobody uses it anymore, I saw it in his closet a while back. And I was like, "Hey, I know we're control, we're uh, doing this episode, so I want to like just play with it real quick." And I was playing it with like a uh, like acoustically, like in that episode, and it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it's very click clacky, and it's yeah. just like super yeah. hollow, plasticky, and it squeaks if you squeeze the neck really hard or whatever. It's just a, a little <laughs> Fisher Price toy guitar, but when you're nailing it, it actually feels cool. Like when you're actually doing the hard parts or the solos of the songs. Um, so it, it was just a really like all that alchemy of, of the special controller with all the stuff harmonics did. It just worked really well. Going into the critical reception, Guitar Hero was very well reviewed. It has a 91 Metacritic score based on 65 critic reviews. Uh, 1up.com gave it a perfect score and said the Yo. following, quote, Truth be told, 1UP recently held a group review session that lasted late into the night. After a few beers, some leaps off the couch, about eight renditions of Boston, countless moments of faux rockstar posturing, and actually stomping so hard that we broke the disc during the thundering finale of Take Me Out. Everyone seemed to agree on a score for Guitar Hero, but our scale only goes up to 11. End quote. So, I mean, that is pretty exaggerated, I feel. Like, if you're breaking a console for whatever, that sounds more like it was the beer that did that and not necessarily <laughs> the game. But, I mean, this captures what we, what I was talking about earlier, where it's just, like, it was a social game, right? There was a time where you could, like, bust it out and it wouldn't be like, oh, come on, put that away, dude, or whatever. At least when it first came out. Um, and, and this more welcome than an actual it. guitar. Uh, definitely more more <laughs> welcome than somebody busting out a Wonderwall or whatever it was that they were playing at the time. Um, shout out, Eric. <laughs> um, IGN gave it a 92 saying, quote, the game is just fun. Pure, unadulterated fun, end quote. Uh, EGM gave it a 90 and in the Metacritic blurb said the following, quote, I am frankly astonished by how much playing this game feels like playing the guitar for real which is frankly BS, and I couldn't find... Oh, end quote. That is frankly BS. And I couldn't find a full review to find out who wrote that so I could shame them. But it's like you said, Joseph, like the click clackiness of it and the plastic feel of it is just clearly, if you think that feels like a real guitar, you've never held a real guitar, right? Because it's, it's nothing like it. It feels cool when you're nailing it, but there's no way you could ever mistake that um, for a real guitar. The yeah, New York well, the difficulty is like way different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, the New York Times was closer to reality in their review. Uh, they gave it the same score as EGM. And in his review, Charles Harold said, quote, the illusion that you are playing in a band is slightly marred by the very un-rock and roll clicking sounds of the strumming mechanism. But as your fingers hammer out complex rhythms, you feel as close to being Eric Clapton as you're ever likely to, end quote. See, that? that's more like it. It's just like, 
we know the, yeah the simulation that it plays in your head is yeah yeah it's, it's, it's close enough yeah exactly it's uh it's vince mcmahon's limo being blown up by stone cold steve austin <laughs> right <laughs> yeah you're then gonna get a call from trump saying that he's if he's okay or not <laughs> Uh, game pro my darling game pro gave it a 4.5 fun factor and in his review johnny k said quote if you love quirky music games you owe it to yourself to pick up guitar hero besides the enormous song library you get an incredibly fun controller that helps make you feel like you're really rocking the casva to a sold out audience your fingers might not be able to keep up at times but you'll still keep rocking out without a care end quote good old game pro um, so yeah overall really really good reviews and it won pretty much every best music game or best puzzle rhythm game for the year in 2005 from pretty much every website that i could find um it also got game of the year from the academy of interactive arts and sciences as well as outstanding achievement in video game design which is huh. yeah it's, it's i mean it got legit recognition from almost everywhere and again it was it was a phenomena which well, what did Maxim Magazine say about it? Yeah, I actually <laughs> couldn't find reviews from the triumvirate of Bro Magazines. No Maxim stuff or FHM. And also, no tapreputedly.com, a.k.a. 4 Fat Chicks. So, this is the uh, something I had, a question I had the other day. Is it 4 Fat Chicks, F-O-R Fat Chicks? Or no. F-O-U-R Fat Chicks. <laughs> F-O-U-R. F-O-U-R. Okay, so. Number four. <laughs> I'm thinking it, it was like the it's, it's a FUBU situation. <laughs> it's the founding fathers of the website or founding mothers of the website, whatever. Uh, but I couldn't find their review. But yeah, overall, really, really well reviewed. Sales wise, Guitar Hero was a huge hit. In 2005, the game made $45 million when the budget was one, Jeez. which is incredible. Um, and that's in two months. That's only 2005. Uh, so yeah. Through December, 1.53 million copies of the game were sold with the guitar bundle, um, which is a lot of plastic guitars out there. Um, I want to make a note here, an editorial note, that Ace Combat 4 sold double the units. uh, But still, that's not to say anything against Guitar Hero. Salty. (laughs) Salty. I'm just saying Ace Combat 4 was a hit, especially measuring it up against this. But yeah, Guitar Hero was massive. And the fact that it was expensive is even more impressive because yeah, it was seventy bucks, and yeah, it was an investment of fun for sure, and and that didn't stop it. Like it wasn't a a blocker into people buying it. So yeah, I remember buying it maybe on launch day at Circuit City, back when Circuit City was a thing, and uh, just being very happy to take that huge box and take it home and have some fun. But yeah, it was good times. Going into the behind the scenes or trivia, I couldn't find much about this game, uh, but as I said earlier, this is a kind of like in the groove for Guitar Freaks, um, meaning that it's like a ripoff of the original game idea. Uh, In fact, the development of this game of Guitar Hero started with Guitar Freaks controllers before Red Octane could deliver their guitar models to Harmonix. So if you ever needed more of an indication that it's a ripoff of Guitar Freaks, it's just <laughs> the development started with Guitar Freaks controllers. Um, so another little thing is that the PS3 was fully backwards compatible with PS2 games, at least at launch. However, the guitar controllers didn't work on the PS3 initially upon its release in November 2006. 
and it wasn't until May 2007 that a system upgrade allowed for PS2 to USB adapters to recognize the guitar controllers as valid inputs. Well, it's um, because Sony believes in generations, yeah. Rod. And that's why. <laughs> well, I think it's just interesting that this is also the last generation that had controller ports, right? Because after here, everything is just USB. Mm. But yeah. all yeah. of up until here, everything had its own controller ports, and that that's what made it not backwards compatible. Um, but yeah. after this, it's just like no, now it's everything is USB, which is kind of cool but also kind of sad i don't know i yeah, kind of like, like it brings on whole like slew issues with latency and stuff like that yeah i like the proprietary controller uh cable slots whatever um the dreamcast ones were the best and the game the wireless ones you have to time it with like uh time the latency as to like what you see on screen mm. and I have like a terrible, terrible reflex. <laughs> like I am so slow. So I'm the worst person to calibrate my own guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't think I've, I haven't played it since. I don't think I've I ever played a guitar hero that wasn't on PS2. So yeah, maybe. Um, but yeah, that's you didn't all play, I like could find. the Beatles ones or any of those or rock band. Or anything? I played rock band, but that, that, that was different, band. right? Yeah. The, no, it's still different plastic maker that's it so yeah that's all i could find uh did you guys find anything in your research for like some trivia or or maybe what was your favorite song from guitar hero one if you remember it don't remember i found a couple of things though um one of them was that the team there was some of the team that was spending time creating like a freestyle mode it oh, would yeah. have allowed players to improvise uh but that had to get cut which ultimately made it into rock band <laughs> and then uh, I also found that Black Label Society's song Fire It Up was included only two weeks before the game was completed because Zach Wilde requested that it was put in. Yeah, and you could also get the Zach Wilde guitar, if I remember <laughs> correctly, which was like one of the only actual real guitars in the game. So that was pretty cool. I, um, I would like to know, uh, there's no way of finding this out, but how much money Motorhead made in the late 90s and early aughts off of Ace of Spades being included in the games industry, like <laughs> Zeitgeist. That was probably the only time they made money, right? Uh, it appeared, I, yeah. It was a good, it was a cover version. No, well, they're talking about a cover version. And then it came out in two Guitar Heroes, apparently. Um, okay. So yeah, that's probably the only way they made money. Okay, I'm looking at the set list. I think Killer Queen's probably my favorite song. Killer there. Queen was really good on there, but I don't know why I felt so cool playing Cochise, the by Audio Slave. I think it's just because it's like a heavy rhythmic or whatever, but that that felt so good. I like White Zombie. I was listening to the the soundtrack this morning, taking the dog out, and <laughs> I came onto that. I'm like, yeah, it was it was a really good soundtrack, um, and I like that it, it it had pretty much everything. Um, but once it got to the really metally ones, I was just like, I, I couldn't enjoy it because I was just focusing so much on trying to get everything right. Um, but yeah. Let's go into our questions. So the first question is, what is your favorite moment or thing about this game? Why don't you start us off, Joe? What's your favorite thing about this game? Um, I couldn't really come up with any like standout moment because it's really just it's just the experience of playing with it. Like especially in the later generations with like a group of people, like you're saying, like it was it was a welcome thing. I didn't even think about it. There's like much more welcome than actually than an actual guitar coming out of the party or something. Uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, like it was just fun to to do that and to have that experience with people at, at that time. Yeah, that's pretty much mine too. I, I think my favorite thing is that almost everyone could play it, right? Um, probably, I don't know, I'm not colorblind or anything like that, so I don't know if that was a problem with colorblind <laughs> people, but for the most part, I feel like everyone could play it. Uh, the Passing the controller around people, like it, it really was a bit of a party game and that was fun. And no other video game up until this point had that other than this. I think the closest that it got to like in my life was probably like the the cart games or even virtual tennis. But even then, it's just like not everyone was down to play virtual tennis, right? Or, or whatever. Yeah. And this even like, you know, like moms and aunts and it had that appeal of at least like, hey, I'll, what is this? I'll check it out. It's like it's not as imposing as a controller. Um but yeah, this this is a game that had like an extremely low barrier of entry. That's why so many people played it. And it just felt yeah. cool to be like, hey, you can play this video game with me and it's fun and whatever. To the the guitar work. facsimile uh, definitely like bridged the gap. Um, and, and people were able to conceptualize how they would be able to interact with the software. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. it's essentially the same thing as Amplitude. But it's like an e it's like a stripped down dumber version of amplitude because like an amplitude you have all of the instruments that make up a song, like all the tracks and separate tracks. And here it's just one. It's just one instrument, but it just works when you pair it with the controller and people could just get it. And that was super fun. Uh what about you, Adrian? What's your favorite part about this game or thing about this game? Um, I actually like it um as a like a cultural piece for me. Mm -hmm. Um, in that it it exposed me to music that I otherwise probably like um, wouldn't have like come across. Yeah. Uh, and it served as a springboard to like learn more about things I, that I liked to hear in it. Yeah. Um, and uh, so it, it was a really, in, it was a way for me to like uh, interact with, uh, with learning in, in a way for me. And, uh, because of that, I was able to like then explore more uh, genres of of music, and and so when I it's now to the point like if I hear a song on the radio, I don't necessarily think like oh that's I remember this song of uh, my dad showing it to me as he was showing me something about a carburetor. <laughs> I think about being in my room playing Guitar Hero, and that's yeah. the first time I heard this particular song. Yeah. Yeah. You know what song was that was for me? It was actually Killer Queen, because to me, Queen was just uh, We Will Rock You and uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and We Are The Champions. Like, it was them. Th it was those three songs only. And then I was just like, Killer Mighty Queen? By Queen, I was like, "What?" And, and for a long time, like I remember when I first heard Killer Queen by the actual singer, I was just like, "Oh wow, this is way better than the <laughs> singer over there." But and and to me, that song will always be a Guitar Hero song. So yeah, I get that totally. The only songs that I had heard were like all the pop punky ones, or like I don't know if Franz Ferdinand counts as pop funk or maybe just straight up pop, but they're like those were the songs that I knew and all the other ones I genuinely didn't know that much. Um, but our second question, what is the worst part of the game? And for me, I'll take this one first. It has to be that clicky controller. Like it should have been a little more real. Come on, just just maybe make it a little bit bigger or something like that. Um, 
because honestly, it looks more than a little dorky. Uh, I don't know if, if you guys have seen pictures of people holding the Guitar Hero controller. There's a fair amount online. Uh, and it just looks a little dorky. And I'm so glad that there's no pictures of me um, with with that on. But yeah, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't look cool. It's just and it sounds bad and it's just it's not a good look. <laughs> I, just, I can't. I, there's no other way to say it. It's just like, oof, that's rough. If there's a picture of you with a Guitar Hero controller, it's particularly if you're like sweaty, uh, which inevitably <laughs> you would be sweaty if you were playing Guitar Hero. It's just not a good look. Uh, so yeah, the, that controller to me is the aesthetics of it from the outside. When you're holding it, you can buy it, but from the outside, it's just it's just not a good look. Uh, what about you, Adrian? What's the worst part of this game for you? I, I think it's also related to the controller of like, um, it it exists in the material world, so that means it can break. And if yeah. it breaks anything on it, then it ruins like the feedback loop that you have with the game. So if your the accelerometer on it is busted, then you are locked out of five stars basically because you can't do any like multipliers. Uh, solo bit or same with the whammy bar or, or god forbid you're actually like you, the uh strum button yeah. uh and as my first experience with this game was playing it at for free like a, at a demo station at game freaks shout out and r.i.p <laughs> to uh hollywood videos game department <laughs> yeah. game freaks where I would tell my parents I would go to church, and but instead I'd just go to, to the local video store and play Guitar Hero for an hour. You could uh, just play Guitar Hero at church, man. <laughs> <laughs> not, not at Catholic churches. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they don't have Ave Maria on, on the playlist, so <laughs> we're not going to do it. Um, but uh, so that that guitar would get a ton of abuse yeah um so it just uh lo and behold a six-year-old kid who just smashes it on the floor would ruin something and then after that it, it just really shows like the vulnerability the mm. symbiotic relationship that guitar hero has that in order to have a good time you have to have a, a working peripheral to go with it mm. um and uh, i think even now like goodwill has put a moratorium on this might be apocryphal but like they put a, uh, a moratorium of like accepting guitar hero controllers because <laughs> they're all broken they, for they have too many of them anyway <laughs> yeah 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 i i get that totally i don't think i ever broke one of mine but i don't have access to them they're back in my parents house but i really if it wasn't for the pandemic i probably would have gone and gotten uh both of them so i could play what what is uh, your worst part of the game, uh, Joseph? I couldn't really remember anything because it was just so simple. Um, one thing that I thought one thing that I thought I remembered pretty vividly was the sync. But when Adrian brought it up with being the wireless controllers, that was what it was. Yeah. So I was like, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, like I don't know what I really had other than maybe I guess in relation to the rest of the series, I think this might be the weakest, not the weakest, but one of the weaker set lists uh, for me because I did listen to a lot of these people just from like exposure with my uncles and stuff like that. Yeah. And so in like guitar hero two, where they had more people like uh, Avenged sevenfold, my chemical romance, like 
Rage Against the Machine, Pearl Jam, like people that I listened to, that was when I, I, I played way more Guitar Hero 2 than I did Guitar Hero because it was more stuff that I really liked and got more into. Mm. You mean uh, one thing that kind of reminded me is about the, the song catalog is that the easiest song in the game is I Love Rock and Roll. So inevitably, when you would show it to a new person, that's the song that you would give them, right? So I think I got so tired of that. Bram, 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 that it's just like, oh, and I heard it so many times that when I was looking at clips of this game, I was just like, I heard that. And it like triggered like a <laughs> like a spatial memory. Like I could smell my room. You get what I mean? I was just like, this is weird. Uh, but yeah, I, I could see that the, the song catalog was a little weak and especially because you were introducing it to so many people. So you would inevitably hear the same songs over and over and over again. Yeah. And I mean, you could see what they're going for. Like it's all these like big rock, rock anthems. Cause that's the, that's what the, the game is at this yeah. point. You need to really drive it home. And so guitar hero two, once it was kind of more established, they were able to uh, spread it around. But I, that that's my one biggest nitpick, I guess. Yeah. So, Let's go to our third question. How did this game age and what parts of it age the best or the worst aside from the graphics? Uh, what do you think, Adrian? Uh, I think it aged well, pretty well in like the mechanics of the of the road, mm. right? Um, what are we calling that? The uh, like the path or whatever. The, yeah. The song path. Uh, the highway, I think <laughs> we'll call it. Yeah. Because uh, the highway has like influenced every single like music rhythm game since. Yeah. Um, and even in like in VR as well, I, mm. I, I, I introduce um, Beat Saber to people mm. yeah. at the library and I describe it as guitar hero <laughs> of you're on a highway and you see notes the same way. Yeah. It only works until a certain age. After that, the, the reply to that is, what's guitar? <laughs> um, uh, but it, that, that I think, that disconnect of like having a young kid not knowing what Guitar Hero is, but yeah. still knowing what the highway is, yeah. shows like the longevity and the, the evergreen nature of that game concept. Yeah. Like they established a mechanic kind of the way they yeah. did in Resident Evil 4. They created a Mario jump. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Joe? How did this game age? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say the same. It was more just around like it, I, the brand of it aged way better than like the actual game. Because like, mm. I mean, if you've played one of these at this point, you've played them all. And I think like with us, we probably had all of our time with these games at then. I mean, maybe yeah. now we'll get VR ones like Beat Saber where we'll be entertained by them. But it's nothing yeah. that we're going to dive into again the same way we did like with these, I think. Yeah. So I don't know in, in that sense how well like how well it ages because it's something that you can just kind of get past and get over, I think. Mm. Yeah, I would say for me at least the peripheral based gaming aspect of it did not age well <laughs> at all. Um just because the guitar looks super dorky. Um but the whole experiences around it aged perfectly. Just that communal aspect of gaming, like the the lower barrier of entry. I don't think there's any other game that has reached that level of just like, here, look, press the button when it comes to, and, and people just kind of pick it up and they're willing to do that. I don't, I don't think any other game has done that. Even VR, because 
VR is kind of scarier, right? You got to put on the this helmet and you might you might get dizzy and you got to hold these things and stuff like that. So I don't I don't think I, I think that aspect of it, it has aged perfectly where it's just like you can just hand someone something, point to the screen and like with like two instructions, they can figure it out. Um, so that aspect of it aged really well, but the whole dorkiness behind it, uh, it, it really didn't. But I was going to say that like nobody is playing these games anymore, but People still are, and there's a really active streaming community of like Guitar Hero. Yeah, I found that. Yeah, and and you have like, you can somebody is making Guitar Hero tracks, and you load new songs on there, and some of them are ridiculously difficult to play. And there's dudes that are really really good at it. So <laughs> maybe the gameplay didn't age well for the mainstream, but the niche is very much still alive. Yeah, man, I. <laughs> I, I misspent my quarantine days then. <laughs> There's like whole videos dedicated to like how you, how to still find Guitar Hero controllers and stuff like that. Yeah, or or like how to refurbish them. And yeah. and the Twitch streams are legit. Um, I forgot who one of them was, but I actually found, like I watched them on Twitch and then they ended up on my TikTok feed. So for a while I was just on Guitar Hero TikTok and it was pretty, <laughs> it was pretty fun. But yeah. The whole, to, still, I would say just because it's no longer in the mainstream that that peripheral-based stuff did not age well. But the fact that the barrier of entry was so low with that darky peripheral, no, no other game has ever captured that. So in that way, I think that aged really, really well. Um, which leads to our fourth question. What is the legacy of this game in gaming and culture at large? What do you think, Joe? Uh, I think it's got to be... Like the unique, it's got to be the unique peripheral. Uh, like, still, Battalion tried it, but no one has ever has still not confirmed to us that it exists. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's got to be that. Like, it it launched that. It launched a whole th- this whole industry of peripherals, and like mm. there was stuff modeled after actual guitar stuff. Like, yeah, it, it's got to be that. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's just the whole Guitar Hero franchise, right? It was a multi billion dollar franchise for yeah. Activision. It made music video games a thing, um, and and this is what video games were for people for a long time. Like I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was gonna be a Guitar Hero movie. Um, I think it was like Sam Raimi or something like that that was linked to it, and Guitar Hero came out on Ellen. Like Ellen was playing Guitar Hero, so it, it, yeah. But I mean, that was because of the writer strike. She had nothing <laughs> else. Conan was spinning his ring on his table. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, yeah. I mean, it, it was just. It was just video games. And kind of another thing, too, is that kind of like what you said, Adrian, it introduced a lot of kids to rock music um, at a period when rock music was kind of dead. <laughs> like it's been dead for a while. Right. Um, but thank you. Imagine Dragon. <laughs> and, and maybe to uh, not only that, but by kind of linking it to something that you can create, um, it maybe like allowed kids to think of music as not as something abstract, but something that can be mapped, um, which Mm -hmm. at the same time that Fruity Loops was so easy to like pirate, um, I think the Fruity Loops generation was in uh, like in part birthed by Guitar Hero. Like that's why kids younger than us don't necessarily know what FL Studio is, right? It's only like the older generation of people that are using FL Studio because of how closely it resembled Guitar Hero. Um, Younger kids are using like Ableton Live or whatever, but I I feel like definitely post-Guitar Hero, like in that 2010, 2011 is when you saw 
a lot of people think like, oh, music can just be like a sequence of beats and lines and whatever. And mm -hmm. I don't necessarily need to go get music theory to be able to create music. So I definitely think that's a legacy of that beyond, um, you know, the fact that this $1 million game became a multi-billion dollar franchise for Activision, which is also pretty cool. I think the biggest thing is just that that removal of like the mystification of music, right? That it can be something sequenceable, I think it is a big part of it. What do you think, Adrian? Yeah, I, I kind of agree with the, the franchise bit. Uh, I, in, in the notes, I, I wrote uh, it shorthand, and it says, introduces the age of bullshit. <laughs> um, like, this is the terrible, this is the, marks a dark period of time for retailers, mm. where they had to dedicate a huge amount of real estate uh, of their stores for rather large boxes and yeah. that won't go away for like eight years. Yeah. Um, yeah. That whole generation was just more and more of them too. Defined by it of how yeah. big can our bullshit get. Yeah. Uh, and it also introduced it, it normalized communal plane. Mm. Uh, and you kept saying, I can't imagine there's no other game besides like guitar hero or Ace Combat 4 that uh, you can play in a party. Uh, and uh, I I think there is one oh, megaton that hits the next year, and Guitar Hero normalized like, this communal play, and it's Wii Sports. Hmm. True. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Guitar Hero is like, it breaks ground, um, I think, it, by like saying games can be social it can be a party game you can have fun it's not like a insular kind of a thing that you that uh you're doing in your pajamas uh you can have this as a bar night date night family night whatever mm. uh and it sets the stage for nintendo to do its bullshit again of <laughs> uh yeah let's uh give you a, another plastic peripheral that is the shape of a tennis racket and put that on your remote what about a golf club let's do that and it just creates this this never ending seemingly never ending cycle like feedback loop of plastic stuff to have in your room to be then shamed about ashamed about uh while you're uh, spring clean a decade later. <laughs> Rod came up with the comment about Guitar Hero becoming the play in Nintendo. Nintendo was like, hold up, people are doing what now? We're going <laughs> to take our beer. crown back. <laughs> Everything's going to be played Nintendo always. <laughs> that is, I, I had not made that connection, but that is true because uh, I'm also thinking a lot, the thing that replaced Guitar Hero at the youth groups was the Wii. <laughs> yeah. It's the Wii tennis, the Wii baseball, the Wii bowling. It's just like, and that that is what did it. And yeah, that is true. Guitar Hero and kind Guitar of. Guitar Hero on the Wii. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> you would have Guitar Hero and the Wii. And the nice kids would be on the Wii and the, the mean kids would be on Guitar Hero playing uh, with devil's music, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that that is, that is true. And um, I forgot that era where there was just massive boxes everywhere i remember the rock band box being egregiously large just kind of like arc of the covenant kind of thing <laughs> yeah i remember going through like the walmart section of video games and it was just like the whole bottom was just like two 
rock bands and that's it <laughs> say like, well where's the rest of them and like, eh, also i think this is real like a pivot point for activision mm. um at, at some point around this time like th the activision blizzard merger was yeah. uh, about to happen if not already did happen but uh this is where activision really took like a look at their ip and said, what can we serialize yearly? Yeah. And I think Guitar Hero was definitely at the tip of the spear on that. Yeah. Um, they then bought Red Octane so they can make the peripherals like essentially in-house. Yeah. Uh, and then Call of Duty happened. <laughs> and then we haven't had a year without Call of Duty since. Ah. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> the last Call of Duty I actually enjoyed and played was Modern Warfare 2, which the was probably Modern like Warfare, three years after that. The after Modern Warfare uh, remake wasn't too bad. I haven't played one, but yeah, I, I would say that it is. Guitar Hero was a huge part of Activision. And I mean, they just bought out Red Octane. They've, they've like they've nailed down harmonics for a couple more games, which... Uh, Harmonix just said Guitar Hero 2 and Guitar Hero... Now they moved on to Rock Band, I think. No, but they yeah, did like then... Guitar Hero 80s or something like that before like Guitar Aerosmith, Hero. Yeah. perhaps, yeah. Yeah, and then they moved on to Rock Band. Okay. Um, but And then Guitar Hero still stayed. Good old Neversoft stopped making Tony Hawk <laughs> to make Guitar Hero. Yeah, and, and, uh, and again, like Activision going super sane about it, uh, it became a bidding war on who gets Harmonix. Yeah, uh, there might have been a reason and, to drop Tony Hawk too. <laughs> yeah, um, so it's it's I think an example of Activision really waking up and becoming like a monolithic, huge, billion dollar only game company. Yeah, uh, where they only care about the hits. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that happening post. Guitar Hero Red Octane acquisition for sure. Yeah. Um, which leads to our fifth question. Is this the peak for any studios or any generation or any genre or any developer or anything like that? Um, I'll take this one first because I don't think it's the peak of this peripheral based gaming music thing, uh, but it's definitely the start. Um, it's, it's, it's the peak for Guitar Hero. Like the Guitar Hero peak to me is Guitar Hero 3, which is just when... By the time Guitar Hero 2 came out, everyone already had it. Guitar Hero 3 had, like, the actual master tracks of people and a bigger guitar and, like, the wireless one and, and all that good stuff. Um, but Guitar Hero was definitely this... It's, I wouldn't describe it even as, like, a like a genesis. It, it was like the Big Bang, right? It was just like, boom, it's here. This thing is going to be gaming for the next handful of years, and there's nothing you can do about it. You will clickety-clack everywhere you go for the next five years. That's it. Um, and the other thing, too, like maybe it's not the best moment for harmonics, but maybe it's like the moment that they most look back on fondly, right? It's just like I, I can imagine them. It's not their peak, but I can imagine them being like struggling along. Like they really worked hard on frequency and amplitude, and nobody really played it. Um, and then getting approached by this peripheral maker and being like, yeah, screw it, we'll do it. And then just going Super Saiyan, that must have been incredible for them. Not their peak, though, um, but 
I just think it, it, it must have been a great moment for them. Uh, what do you think, Adrian? Um, I don't think a peak for harmonics. Um, I think that's rock band. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I think that's like a distillation of what they were going for yeah. and what people wanted. Yeah. Um, and as for Guitar Hero itself, I might be swayed in thinking like Guitar Hero 2, hmm. but that just might be my own personal uh, preference. Guitar Hero 2 had the red controller, so that, that was cooler. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and but multiplayer. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Xbox have... it had the white exploder guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guitar is Hero Guitar Hero 3 the one where you get to play as sl- or like a get play against Slash? Yeah, because yeah. him and Tom Morello were in that game. Yeah. Okay. At that point you can tell like, okay, these guys have a little bit too much money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for me it's the peak is Guitar Hero 3 is where you're just like this is the top and you're not going to last very long at the top. Like it's going to start going down now, uh, but this is the the pinnacle. It's just like, Oh, slash is in it. Sweet. And that, the, the, the popular guitar player that the mainstream still knows. Right. What about you, Joseph? Uh, what, what do you think? Does this represent uh, any peak? Nah, I, maybe it's snobbish of me, but I think frequency is the best one. Is <laughs> best game, but I really like frequency. Yeah. I played that game so much. Um, I, I would throw in my vote for two being the best in the series. So not there. I think if anything, I got another very qualified one and it's the best music game in the generation that had to be played with or had a peripheral designed for it. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see. That that checks out. (laughs) (laughs) See, because it's not, once we get to the next generation, Guitar Hero 2 beats it. So yeah, it's gotta be this. It's gotta be all that. The only other one that I can think of that I also owned is Beat Mania. I don't know if you guys remember that one. Did that, it have a what was the controller for it? It was it was like this thing that half of it was like a record spinning to scratch, and then the other part was like a little piano keyboard. That thing was DJ hard. Hero. Yeah, it's on the PS2. It was before DJ Hero. It came out on the 2006. And it's 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 by the OG. It's like one of the Bimani games um, from I Konami. I remember this, but yeah, this one was not as good. It was yeah, that one was way hard. too hard. Yeah, it was so hard. <laughs> I could not get past like the medium mode on that one. Yeah, uh, I think I played this once somewhere, and I was like, nope. <laughs> so um, I, I I'll give you that one. Um, but uh, you know what the worst Guitar Hero was? It was Guitar Hero on the DS. I don't know if you guys remember that one. <laughs> yeah, with the little add-on. Yeah, yeah, it had like a little add-on that was a fretboard. And you would like use the stylus to like pick across the screen, the touch screen. It was horrendous. Uh, <laughs> but that shows how big Guitar Hero was. It needed to be on the DS as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess leads to our sixth and final question, um, which is how would this game work or look like in 2021 what do you think joe uh i mean it would be super niche at this point like anybody who's still playing it so i guess essentially the same game but like maybe up the difficulties add like options for controllers so you can have like uh, guitar freaks intricate ones or like all the way down to guitar hero depending on who wants to do it Hmm. uh and obviously i think it would benefit in vr because like that full immersion would just be amazing uh but i don't know how good 
how well you'd be at dodging beer bottles getting thrown at you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess it would just be that. Like, just what it is right now, just bigger. I think it would be cool to be, like, on stage, uh, yeah. be able to look around and stuff like that. Uh, so that that's definitely something I hadn't considered before. What, what do you think, Adrian? What do you think uh, GH2021 looks like? I actually don't think it looks like anything. <laughs> I really think this is a lightning in the bottle. Yeah. Specifically with how games are consumed now in 2021 mm. versus... Um, uh, and So the thing I'm trying to like allude to is uh, music rights. Yeah. Uh, people play games and stream games on Twitch. And if there is any kind of like copyright issues, they will mute you. Yeah. So like this isn't necessarily like a game that is able to skirt those automatic like uh, uh, piracy controls that Twitch has. Uh, so it's very limited in its scope and in, in, in like how it can reach people in the way that mm modern games now reach people so i think you just have to think like way outside the box of uh they would have to like talk with artists to create perhaps like custom music for it yeah at at that point like it becomes uh it becomes guitar hero drop the guitar and just like make it music hero or something Mm. um and uh, make it a platform for artists to like experiment, perhaps. Um, have Little Nas X come out with like a new custom track for it, all about SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It just I I think we're we're past the era where this would be able to work. If it's if it was able to work, they'd still be coming out with them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting because. Harmonix also made Twitch Sings, if I'm not mistaken, which I don't know if you guys have seen, but it's not around much anymore. But it was essentially Guitar Hero for Twitch, and it was just on like on Twitch. Um, so I don't know how they got away with that, but that was Harmonix too, and it was just uh, closed like, yeah. January first. Yeah, see, so the the cool thing about that one is that you could join rooms to see people sing. And the big thing was that people, like, you could then duet people who were either live or you could duet with their recordings. So it would be, I, I have a feeling that that's how the Twitch or the streaming aspect of it would work. It would be more of like a band hero type thing where you can duet with people or form a band, like virtual bands online. But it would have, again, ignoring all of the rights issues or whatever like that. I don't think there's anything quite as communal in a real life situation as what Guitar Hero was. Um, but I think the closest we could get to would be a Twitch Sings, but it would be like a Twitch plays the band type thing or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, I got it. I think I got it. Guitar Hero 2021, it is a... Uh, it is a music game publishing simulator mm. where uh, it's uh, you have to manage your dev teams, uh, contracts with artists to put out a game yearly. 
and you basically are your own Bobby Kotick. <laughs> you have to find the adequate cover uh, singers. And, yeah, uh, and yeah. like uh, find archival footage and pictures to figure out Rush's uh, drum situation <laughs> for for a particular song. Yeah, if we go down Rod's road, we're just gonna get into like virtual band practices, which just happened yeah. over this summer. Yeah. we don't need much. We don't need more of that. <laughs> yeah, it'll just yeah. be whatever James Corden was doing for musical guests uh, <laughs> in twenty twenty. Um, the other thing that I, I was kind of thinking of is just kind of that intro. Um, and and kind of you also alluded to it where it's just like kind of like music hero um, or music producer hero because it's just sequencing and stuff like that. So ultimately, yeah, game, gamify sequencing. Yeah, right. like gamify yeah. Ableton. Like make us it's like an, an Ableton game for something. Uh, that's as close as I can think of. But I I do think the the more I think about it, the more I feel like this was just something that happened from two thousand and five to two thousand Saber. Beat Saber, while it borrows some of the like the vocabulary of the hero games, it, it's it's a you're not even like playing the drums per se. Like yeah, yeah. it's aerobics. Yeah, yeah. There's no there's no theatrics or or like pretend yeah, <laughs> involved with it. Yeah. Right. There's um, no music playing facsimile in mm. Beat Saber. Yeah. Um, in fact, you don't even have drumsticks in Beat Saber. <laughs> you have lightsabers. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, this is one of the, all of these games make me glad to be born in the era that I was born in. But I think this one in particular, because it's really hard to explain. And I'm sure like some Generation Z kids would look back and be like, that is so dorky or that is so losery or whatever. Just seeing those sweaty pictures of kids wearing long sleeve t-shirts on the bottom of like short sleeve t-shirts <laughs> sweating while holding a clickety clack play school uh gibson sg but it was a special time and it was a really cool game um is there anything else that you guys want to say about guitar hero before we wrap up i'm good yeah joe uh i I was just thinking about like our show in parallel to harmonics. Cause like the first season we were cool. We had all this unknown stuff like res and Katamari and echo. <laughs> and so it's like frequency. And then the second season we sold out big time, like amplitude. We, we had, amplitude has like no doubt. We were talking wind waker and Resident Evil four. Hey, but we Surprisingly, also spoke ace combat four. Hey, I was going to say, we spoke ace combat four, which is arguably the most popular game of the generation. <laughs> <laughs> but you would argue that, uh, so yeah, I guess uh, stick around for the third season where we're, we're yeah, gonna have to introduce yeah. a peripheral here. Yeah, do you have uh, any axe to grind for next season? You gotta be. Are are you over uh, Ace Combat as well as the the Capcom Five? Well, you, the Capcom Five, I'm 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 done with. But you know, there are still two Ace Combat titles in this generation <laughs> that are very very different from Ace Combat Four. You're gonna get both of them in here before we get Eternal <laughs> Darkness. <laughs> yeah, Eternal Darkness has missed the cut on um, the last two seasons. Um, but uh, of all the Silicon Knights games, you have Twin Snakes, but not. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that it was a point in the Twin Snakes one. Yeah. yeah it's just. So look, uh, Eternal Darkness is probably not going to make it again. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of that's what I'm thinking. Um, and we're, we're probably going to end up talking about. I don't know some some 
Stay tuned to how Rod stacks the deck for the deck for beautiful Joe Two over <laughs> Eternal Darkness. We're talking about Chibi Robo. I don't know if you guys remember that game on the on the Nintendo GameCube. Either what that was or the crappy uh, Capcom Five one, the PN one. Uh, oh yeah, PN uh, number three. I think I was one of the only people that bought it. Uh, either that, or we're gonna end up talking about um, Billy Hatcher and the Giant Egg for three episodes. <laughs> Just to not get into uh, Eternal Darkness, Rod's yeah. going to say, we're only doing bad games this season, yeah. guys. This season is Final Fantasy. It's a Kingdom Hearts exclusive. Oh, no. <laughs> there would be enough. <laughs> yeah. It's like Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts storyline uh, deep dive. But uh, <laughs> nah, we'll see. We're, we're looking forward to season three. Hopefully you guys enjoyed season two um, of uh, this, the greatest generation of gaming. Safe to say. <laughs> Uh, but yeah thank you guys so much for listening um, if you like this episode and this show share it with a friend leave us a review um, and we'll talk to you guys soon thank you Relevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.